0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith, I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful you're with us. Whether you're here in person, uh, sitting in the courtyard, or maybe you're watching at home, Uh, we're grateful to have you. And man, our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith, in Jesus, I want to let you know about a couple of things happening. First, uh, man, if you have ever served in student ministry or if you've ever thought, man, I'd, I'd be interested in serving in student ministry. Our custom uh, student ministry is looking for some incredible people who would say, man, I, I love God and I want to impact the lives of the next generation. Now, I was a youth pastor for a long time. And I would, I would hear all the excuses of why, like, oh, I don't want to serve in that group. And, and usually the number one excuse is I'm not cool enough uh, to serve there. But uh, then I just would say, look at me. You know, I, I'm, I'm here. Um, and, uh, but I, I will tell you this, we're not looking for cool people. We're looking for people who go, man, I love God and I want to invest in this next generation. So if you're interested in that, uh, talk to Pastor Brandon. He'll be out uh, by the tents as you're heading out. Uh, and then the second... I wanna let you know if you're a man in here, uh, we have a couple of things happening for you o- over the, the course of this summer. One is a men's hike, it's happening late July, early August. Uh, and then we have a men's retreat at the end of August. Okay, so uh, men, here's the deal. I wanna encourage you or challenge you to go to one of those two things. Okay, you can go to both, that's totally fine. The men's hike, uh, it's, a, it's three or four days where uh, they're hiking through the mountains. And man, I, I went on a couple of years ago, it's super powerful. Uh, Really digging deep into how God's made us and uh, relationships and all of that. And the men's retreat is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, There's going to be a ton of activities and a way to just build relationships with other guys. So uh, if you want more information about that, men, go to FrontRange.info or your wife will text you about it later. Either one. Uh, So love for you to be a part of that. Today we are continuing the series called Emotions. Uh, We've been looking at emotions that you and I have, uh, but also the 39 emotions that Jesus displayed and what the Bible says about those emotions. Now, this series has been really, really impactful. Uh, I've been getting a ton of messages and emails from a lot of you just saying, man, how much God has been speaking to you through this series. Uh, I I got a a text from a friend on the East Coast this past week that said, you know, I just felt led to go watch the the message, and man, I just want to thank you, and, and God's just been doing some really, really cool things, but today might be a little different, okay, because today we're talking about an emotion that most people don't like to talk about. It's the emotion of anger. Now, by show of hands, and those of you who are watching online, you just do a little raised hand emoji. By show of hands, how many of you know someone who's been angry, say, the last week? Or maybe in the last day? Or maybe driving over here to church? <laughs> you're laughing because you've had that happen, right? Well, you pull over to church, you're like, everybody get out right now. Let's go worship Jesus, you know, like... I've done that for sure. Uh, I, I've told you uh, about my, my, my struggles in anger. I, I talked a couple weeks ago about how I got mad at my son. And so I threw his Legos on the ground. When drivers, I mean, pretty much every driver get, makes me angry. Like I get angry at a whole lot of things. I get angry at a quote that I saw. It's by some random guy named Winston Churchill. He said this, a man is as big as the things that make him angry. That makes me angry. Like that alone, because it shows how small of a man I am, like Winston who. Uh, So here's the deal. Today today's going to be a little tricky, all right, because you're going to want to have one of two responses. Your first response is you might want to be angry with me. You might think I have some agenda. Or you might say, hey, did my spouse tell you to talk about this? Or did my kids tell you to talk about this? No, I don't. I'm not doing this because of somebody. I'm doing this. My only agenda is simply this, to talk about a subject that destroyed my family and destroyed so many others, so many relationships, and honestly is destroying our country right now. So that's my agenda. So you might be tempted to get mad at me. Another temptation you might have is to go, oh, man, so-and-so needs to hear this message. All right? Here's the deal, if so-and-so needed to hear it right now in this moment, they would be here. God would have brought them here. Okay, this message is for me, it's for you. Now you can go share the message with so-and-so and and maybe they'll get mad at you about it uh, later, but for right now, this is for you and I. Okay, so what do we know about anger? Uh, let me tell you a couple of things that we know about anger. We know it's a primary emotion. Uh, if you go all the way back to the first century book of rights that was the first publication on uh, human emotions, anger is in there. Every publication since has had, hu- has had anger as one of the primary human emotions. We know that all of us get angry, all of us. What do we also know? We also know that anger releases cortisol and, and adrenaline and unmanaged anger over a course of time can literally kill you. In fact, let me tell you a few of the side effects of unmanaged anger in people's lives. Headaches, abdominal pains, skin problems, insomnia, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, strokes, increased anxiety, depression, and heart disease. So literally anger that is not managed can kill you. What does the Bible say about anger? Well, you go over to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So it gives us kind of three pieces of anger. It says, in your anger, don't sin, which is saying you're going to get angry. It doesn't say don't get angry. It says when you get angry, just don't sin. And then it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. You've probably quoted that to your spouse before or said it to yourself. That is not a prayer for daylight savings, by the way. Okay, that's not like, oh God, let the sun stay up longer so I can be angry longer. No, and it's also not saying just go to bed making sure that you've resolved it in your heart. That, that phrase, do not let the sun go down on your anger, means to literally get rid of it now. Solve the problem, whatever it is, now. And then lastly, we're told here, don't give the devil a foothold. Now, that term foothold in Greek literally means a room. So it's saying, don't give the devil room and board. Don't give him room and board in your relationship. Don't give them room and board in in your marriage, in your family, your relationship with your kids. Don't give them room and board in, in our society. Do not let Satan go, man, I've got room here. I can live here. You, come, Satan, dwell in my life. None of us would actually say that. But when we have anger that is unresolved, that's what we're doing. We're giving the devil room. So if the Bible says, hey, anger is not a sin, then how do we be angry and not sin. Well, we're going to look at the life of Jesus because I think multiple times we see him getting angry and yet we know Jesus was without sin. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. Or I would encourage you to download the Bible app. Uh, it's a great resource to not only read on your own and, and, and do reading plans and all of that, but also to be able to follow along with us here at church. Matthew chapter 21, uh, let me start, let me kind of give you some backstory to it. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem at a time called Passover. Passover was the greatest celebration that the Jewish people had. They would come together from all over the the Roman Empire to to make sacrifices. The the premise was that that God was going to forgive us if we make these sacrifices. So they would come and make sacrifices for the year of sin that they have committed in their lives. Now, these people would come from all over the Roman Empire. If you were able-bodied, you were expected to be there. They would say that Jerusalem would go from about 40,000 people on a normal day to 250,000 people at Passover so there's a lot of people and this is the the culture that Jesus enters into when he when we see this story Matthew 21 verse 12 and 13 it says this Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves it is written he said to them my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers now what's happening here? So all these people, they're coming from all over the Roman Empire and, and they're coming there to make sacrifices. So if you're coming from 1,000 miles away, you're not bringing your two doves yourself from 1,000 miles away and bringing them to the temple to make sacrifices. So when people got there, they needed to buy animals to sacrifice and they needed to exchange money. They were coming from all over the Roman Empire when there was different currencies. So it would be like if you and I were going to a different country, the the dollar bill means nothing there to purchase. You have to exchange the currency so that you can be able to buy things and be able to buy the the animals to be able to sacrifice. So that's what's happening. doesn't seem like a big deal. Like in order to have the Passover the way that it needed to happen and for the people to make the sacrifices and to come from all over, you needed money changers and you needed people who were merchants who were selling the animals to sacrifice. So why is Jesus angry? What's our first point. Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. He was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Well, who's mistreated? Well, first there's economic corruption happening here. You see, these weren't just money changers and they weren't just merchants. These were people trying to make a lot of money off of people trying to worship God. And so when they would come, the two doves would normally sell for four pence. Four pence is about 64 cents in our our current uh, uh, currency. So 64 cents would get you two doves. Well, at the time of Passover, they would sell for 75 pence, which was $12. Now, $12 is not a whole lot to us. We can whip that out right now, but I got $12. But in that day and age... To go from 64 cents to $12, these people were just trying to make money off of people just trying to worship. So Jesus is mad at that. He's also mad at the segregation. So here's what's happened. You have the temple complex. And a part of the temple complex, you've got different courtyards, basically. And then you have the temple where, well, only certain people were allowed into the temple. In fact, only men who were Jewish were allowed into the temple. The temple courts, the women can go in this court and Gentiles who are non-Jews, so most of us in this room could go into this court, but we couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't go there. And when Jesus walks in and he sees the segregation going on, he gets angry. Why? Because that's not the way that God designed it. God says, my house should be a house for all nations, for all people. Anybody should be able to come in here and worship. Anybody should be able to come in here and and worship the, the living God. And yet he watches it and women are over here and Gentiles are over here and only a select group of people can come in here. And he gets angry. It would be like, let's say you came into church today and... You went over and you got your kids checked in and you walked through the courtyard and there's some chairs set up and there's a screen set up. And you're like, oh, man, we can sit outside. We're like, no, 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 just keep going. Go get your coffee and then go inside. If you're kind of a regular front range person, then, then get your coffee and, and go in. Because those seats are reserved. They're reserved for a special group called the Wellspring Community. Now, Wellspring is one of our, our partnerships that, that we talk about here, dollar per person that Jackie just talked about. Wellspring is one of those partnerships. And what they do in our community is they help adults with special needs. So they provide some incredible services. But what if you came in on a Sunday and, and we said, hey, you can't sit out there. That's only reserved for this group of people because this group of people, well, uh, they're different. And we don't want them inside with us. We don't want them sitting inside in the air condition with us and with with you know the people who you know are are normal front range people. We they have to sit out there. If Jesus walked in and he saw that happening, then he would <laughs> flip a table. The anger that would set him off because of the segregation that is happening. You see, Jesus always got angry. On behalf of those who were mistreated. His anger was never directed. It was never directed at people who were mistreating him. Which is fascinating to me. In fact, I'm going to ask you a few questions. These are not trick questions, okay? Please hear me on that. So I want you to say out loud, yes, if you believe that these questions are true. If you're watching online, just type the word yes into the chat, okay? Question number one, was Jesus ever criticized? Not a trick question. That's good. Was Jesus ever betrayed? Did people ever talk behind Jesus' back? Was Jesus unjustly persecuted? And yet he never got mad at those things. Now think about our anger. When do we get upset? When do we become angry in our lives? It's when someone has done something to us. Like for me, when I get angry, it's rarely because somebody's doing something against God's will. It's because they're doing something against my will, right? They're doing something that I don't like. It's somebody that cut me off in traffic. It's somebody that's speaking badly about me. It's someone who judged me falsely. That's when I get angry. And yet Jesus never got angry at those things. He got angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do an anger audit. Maybe... Maybe right now you could think back to a time when you were angry. If it was just like an hour ago, then you're good. It would be easy for you to think about that. If it was a couple days ago, it might be a little bit harder. Or better yet, if somehow in the midst of your anger, you can cool down a little bit, don't flip your lid, try to think rationally, take a couple deep breaths and do an anger audit. Here's the two questions I want you to ask yourself. Question number one, what am I angry about? What am I actually angry about? It might take some digging to get to that answer because more than likely it's not the surface level thing. Like I'm not angry that my kids left Legos out and I stepped on them again. I'm not angry at that. What I'm actually angry at is that they don't respect me enough to listen to me, to obey me. That's what I'm angry at. So what are you angry about? Is what you're angry about, is it a violation of God's will or is it a violation of your will? Once you answer that question, you kind of get down to the root of, man, this is what's making me angry. Second question, what am I going to do about it? So now what do I do about this anger in this moment? What did Jesus do? Let me give you two things that Jesus did about his anger. Number one, when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, not people. When Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, not people. Flipping tables is synonymous with flipping systems. You see, it would have been real easy for Jesus to go in and be like, you're all done and kick them all out, and cancel all of them. It had been real easy for him to say, you're done. You're... But Jesus, I was just doing my job. It doesn't matter. You're done. You can no longer work in Jerusalem. I'm going to kill you. Like, whatever. Like, he could have done anything he wanted, but instead of canceling people, instead of flipping people, he flipped tables. But is that how we respond? I think so many times for you and I, we don't respond by flipping tables. We respond by flipping tables people. I mean, we get angry with them and we want to write them off. Somebody posts something on social media that we disagree with. We might engage them for a second and we're like, I'm done. And we unfriend them. We stop following them. Or if they come to church and we're like, man, I got to find a new church because I can't be in the same church as that person over there. And we just cancel people real quickly, real easily. We flip people, not tables. I think about this past year for me, and this is true for many of you, where man, people have attacked my character because of my choices. I mean, think about that. Think about how crazy that sounds, that people would attack your character because of choices. Like, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Vote for this person, don't vote for this person. People have actually attacked the character of somebody else because of just simple choices that that person has chosen to make, we flip people and not tables. I mean, when my character's been attacked over the last year, man, I want to flip some people. Not just flip them off, I want to flip some people, (laughs) right? I want to cancel them, I want to, let me tell the world what I know about you. Let me write you off. What good does that do? Because see, the issue is not people. Oh, Ernest, you don't know the people I deal with. Trust me, the issue is not people, it's a system. In fact, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual darkness, the evil forces. That's what our fight is against. The fight is not against one another. We make the fight against each other. We're like, oh, I can't stand that person. Oh, I can't stand what they chose to do or what they said. Can you believe what that... And our fight is here with each other when Satan's going, oh, I got this. Like he just keeps maneuvering pieces and keeps doing things. And we're blind to what he's doing because we're so angry at each other. And he's winning the war. Now he ultimately loses it. We know that. But what about the tens to hundreds to thousands of people that we know that Don't have Christ. And he's going, man, I'm keeping them in the dark because of your anger. Because you're not fighting against the system, Ernest. You're fighting against people. Because you're not flipping tables, Ernest, but you're flipping people. Get angry. Please get angry. Get angry at the right place. It's not a person issue. It's a system issue. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual darkness so the first thing that Jesus did when he got angry is he flipped tables, not people. Second thing that he did when Jesus got angry is he loved and healed those who were hurting. He loved and healed those who were hurting. Now, Jesus could have done it. He could have yelled. He could have screamed. He could have gotten out his, his iPhone and been like, I'm getting on social media. Telling. I mean, he couldn't have really done that. I get it, but you know, he could have, whatever I'm gonna do, man, I'm gonna tell people about these people and I'm gonna cancel them all. And yet I love this passage. Verse 14 We just get done being told that Jesus flipped tables, and then it says this, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. That's fascinating to me. And right after we're told that Jesus just, he just got furious. Man, imagine being one of his disciples. You're like, yes. Come on, Jesus, give it to them. Tell these people how crazy they are. Man, just attack them, Jesus. Come on, what, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? Let's go, I'll go flip and say, what do you need? What do you, let's get, kick, kick some people out of here. Let's, let's go, come on, what do you need? Then he's like, ah, what I need is bring the, the lame, bring the death, bring the hurting, and I wanna heal them. Jesus, when he became angry, he didn't, Allow his right to be right, to overcome his calling to love. I'm going to say that again because I think for some of us, this is an important message. You see, Jesus didn't allow his right to be right to overcome his calling to love. You see, anger should never justify unloving behavior, ever. Anger should never justify unloving behavior, it should lead toward love and healing. Ultimately, get angry, but allow it to lead you to love and healing. This is one of the beauties about the church. And I love I, there's so many things I love about the church and, and what God has set up here. There's so many things. But one of the things I, I really love is the diversity of the church. And when I say that, I don't mean just mean skin color and all that. I, I mean the the what certain people get angry about. Like certain injustices that you get angry about are different from one another. I, I love that. I love that diversity because there's some people in our church that, man, you get angry at the addiction of porn. You get angry at the fact that, that porn sucks in men and women, and women, by the way, in a very a, 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 a pr- imprisoned way where they can't escape. And you're like, man, we've got to do something about that. And then others of us, we get angry at racism. And we go, Really? like this is where we are, not just our country. Because if you've ever traveled outside of our country, you know exists everywhere. Really? Like God created all of mankind. It says we're created in his image. And yet we look at each other and we judge each other because of the color of our skin? Are you kidding me? And then others of us, we get angry that there are men and women who protect our communities, that protect our country, that are trying to be canceled and, and, and trying to be pushed away because of, a, uh, 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 of some bad people and some bad systems, but we're just going to push them aside. We get angry about that. For some of us, we get angry that, that there's injustices and there's murder happening to the unborn. We get so upset about We're like, we can't let that happen on our watch. For some of us, we get upset at mental health. And the lack of resources and the lack of care that happens in this country with mental health. Sarah and I, we called our insurance company. It's supposed to be a, a Christian uh, insurance company. We called them to get some services for my son. And here's what they told us. We can't give you those services, those mental health services, because God didn't create them that way. Are you kidding me? And Mama Bear got real angry on that one. I'm not sure she flipped tables, but I was supportive. <laughs> They weren't flipping me either, you know? But I'm like, are you kidding me? Like the help that people need mentally, and we're just gonna say, oh, sorry, God didn't create you that way. What? And then name all the other injustices. I love the partnerships that we have here and that we talk about on a regular basis, and groups that are fighting for some things. We have one partnership that, that fights for victims of sex trafficking. Where they say, you know what, it's not, it's not good enough to just say, man, something's wrong here, but we've got to step in. We've got to do something to help set these men and women and kids free of the slavery that is happening. We've got a partnership where uh, uh, one of our partners, they, they fight against abortion. They fight for adoption and for foster care. And Another partnership is fights for the elderly in our community saying, man, these are the most lonely people and isolated people in our community. We need to raise the alarm that something needs to change. One of our partnerships, as I mentioned earlier, cares for special needs and those with special needs in our community. Another partnership works for those in Rwanda and caring for those there and another one for those in Kenya. And I love that all these partnerships, they get angry about different things. You might go to them and say, hey, do you care anything about the people in Kenya? They're like, no way. What we care about are the people right here in our own community who are old, who are isolated, and no one seems to notice them. you might go to that, that organization and say, hey, do you care uh, about those caught in sex trafficking? I mean, yes, we care about that, but that's not what we're fighting for. That's this company over here. That's this organization over here. And I love the beauty of the church that what you get angry about may not be what I get angry about, but if you and I work together, we can solve a lot of issues in this world. We can bring a lot of love and a lot of healing. I mean, for me, over the last year, one of the things I've gotten most angry about is the divide in our community. We've got a guy in our church who is like the highest official in our town. And him and I text often, and he's told me some of the the stories that he's had to deal with, some of the emails that he's gotten, and reasons why neighbors are fighting with neighbors. And I get angry over that. I don't get angry at the people. I, just, I understand there's a darker force that's, that's working. He's trying to maneuver these puzzle pieces. He's going, man, if I can get them just focused on the fact that that guy has a Trump 2020 sign in his yard, or if I can get, just get these people to focus that they, have a, they had a Biden-Harris sign stuck in their yard, then I can separate them. Or if I can get this person really mad about masks and this person really mad about those who won't merit, man, uh, wear it, I can separate them. And we've seen people in our church. We've seen people in our community. I saw two guys that were best friends before COVID. Best friends. Because they just fell on different sides of the argument. They have not talked in a year. And that story is happening over and over and over. And I get angry. I think this little community called Cassarock that was once voted number two small town to live in in America. This, this county called Douglas County, this fourth wealthiest county in America. All the things we've been blessed with here, we're going to get angry at the wrong things. And instead of flipping tables, we've been flipping people. So I've been praying, God, what do we do? How do we love and bring healing? And so here's what we're going to do as a church. We're we're going to ask you to not just come to church and not just say, man, I believe in Christ. And yes, we need to make changes and all that. But like do something. So what can we do? Here's what we've done. We've created these these little cards uh, right here. There's uh, I think five different options. And what we're going to ask you to do is from now to July 4th, from now to July 4th, we want you to engage our community in one of these five ways. I'm going to walk through them. We have a, a, one of the cases in the back over here where you can get the cards. You can write your family's name down, pin it to the case, say, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. As a family, this is how we're going to choose to bring love and healing to our community. One of them says clean up and prayer walk. So this is what my family and I are going to do. I already put our names down on this. This is what we're going to do. At least one of the things that we're going to do. We're going to walk around, we're going to pick up trash and all that. We're going to pray for our neighbors. And there's a really cool app called Bless Every Home that we talked about a couple weeks ago where you can put in your address and it will tell you the neighbor, neighbors that are around you. So I don't, I don't know my neighbors. That's awesome. This app does. It's kind of creepy, but it's awesome. It's all public knowledge. so, And you could actually pray for your neighbors as you're just walking around. Another one says create your own. So if you're like, man, i got a really good idea. I'm going to go buy a boat and ask my neighbor to go out on the boat. That's an expensive way to do this, but you can do it if that's what you want to do. But Amen. But create your own. Create your own, whatever that looks like. One's a block party. I was just talking to a lady after the service. She's like, oh, man, we're, we were so excited on this date. We're having a block party. We've talked about block parties so many times. What a great way to get to know your neighbors. And I think we're at a point where people are starting to reengage, starting to get to know, know their neighbors again. You can have a block party. Another one is encouragement. What is encouragement? It's it's uh. Do you remember like a year ago, you'd see people like writing chalk on the sidewalks, like scripture, you can do that. You can get a little wagon and put waters in the wagon and walk around as your neighbors are outside doing yard work, say, hey guys, you need some water. Do you need something? You can write little notes to your neighbor and just say, hey man, I was praying for you. Hey man, I'm grateful that you're my neighbor or whatever. But some word of encouragement. And lastly is first responders. You can go to the police station, you can go to the fire department and just say, hey, I made you a meal. Or if, if you're like me and that meal might kill them, uh, then maybe you want to give them a, a card. Let your kids write a little card, get them a gift card and just say thank you for all that you do. And so what we're asking our church is to say, hey, not just yes, we need to do better about our own anger, but no, let's direct our anger specifically the anger of our community dividing itself over the last year, let's direct that at love and healing. And so we're gonna do one of these things. So grab one of these cards from over there during response time or after service and write it down. If you've got kids, ask them, hey, what do you guys wanna do? If your kids are like, man, I wanna do a block party, you're like, oh, do it, just do it. You want your kids engaged in this. You want your kids learning how to love their neighbors and caring for people. So get them engaged in this conversation as well. And then put it up on the board. Every week we'll have the board up and you can add to it if you want. And we're going to see what God chooses to do. And my prayer, my, my prayer is this that in two, three months, I'm going to get a text from that same high official saying, Ernest, I don't know what's happened, but something's changing. And our community is finally beginning to heal. It's finally beginning to come together. That's my prayer. That only starts with you and I getting angry. Get angry, please get angry. But let's not get angry at one another. Let's flip tables, not people. Let's show love and bring healing. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you. I thank you God so much for the example that Jesus gives us about anger. I thank you that he got angry but he showed us how not to sin in our anger. And so, Father, I pray for me specifically that you would help me to not sin in my anger. God, that even as one of my kids is listening right now, Father, that she can help hold me accountable to not sinning in my anger, but she would see my anger being directed at flipping, out the, flipping the system and changing things around us changing the way that the enemy has been scheming and planning and working. Yeah, we wanna fight back against that. And Father, I thank you that ultimately Jesus' anger led to love and to healing, so much so that he died on the cross for our sins so that we can be healed, so that we can discover his love, so that we can be forgiven of our sins And every week we talk about this. Every week we talk about God's grace and mercy in our lives. And every week we have people who are watching online or watching right here who would say, man, Ernest, honestly, I don't have a relationship with God right now. Maybe you did a while ago and, man, it's been a hard season, a hard journey. You've kind of walked away or maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. But today God's saying, come home. Come home. So if that's you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you'd say, man, Ernest, today I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want want to receive what God's offering me through what Jesus did on the cross. I want to receive forgiveness of my sins and a new life. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching online, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. And I want you to know if you just made that decision, man, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. Not the easiest, but the greatest. But the work's not done. I want you to know we'll walk with you every step of the way. Every step of the journey. No matter what you're working through. That our God sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And then God, for all of us, I pray that you would help us to not sin in our anger. God, you would help us to not flip people, but to flip tables, that we would change systems, that we would get angry about things that, that, God, you get angry about, things that violate your will, not my will. God, I pray that you would give me peace and calm and give me the right, the right strategy, the right words to say when people violate my will. God, may, may I be willing to have hard conversations and all that, but may I not direct my anger toward an individual or group. May I direct it toward the system. pray fervently against those evil forces. And then God, I pray that you would help us to use that anger to bring love and healing. God, use our next steps here as a church to bring love and healing to this community. And as we serve our neighbors, as we hold block parties, as we serve first responders, God, write encouraging notes, give out water bottles, pray for people, pray for our neighbors, clean up trash, whatever it may be, as we do these things, that you bring about a change. We'll bring you honor and glory and healing and love to others. In Jesus' name, amen.